On this bonus edition of Hoopsology, we welcome host of the Locked On Bulls podcast, Matt Pack. Matt and I discuss what will the new hire of Billy Donovan bring to the Bulls, Chicago's offseason during the pandemic, and we get into some last dance talk. So um, I am a Bulls fan, and I think we have similar feelings with the last few years um, of the Chicago Bulls. It's been a very tumultuous time as a Bulls fan, but it seems like brighter days are ahead with the hire of Billy Donovan. Um, do you share that sentiment, or do you think he has a lot of uh, proving before um, Bulls fans get their hopes up? Well, I, I think you can say that it's a little bit of both. I think you can be optimistic that there are definitely brighter days ahead. I know I feel it that way right now, not only with the Donovan hire, but what preceded the Donovan hire, which was Michael Reinsdorf convincing his dad to hand over the reins after John Paxson came to them and said, hey, I think we need to finally make a change here. And um, and actually following through on, on what they told the media and by proxy the fan base that they were giving the new people full autonomy and, and bringing in a, a well-respected basketball mind and voice like Arturis Karnaschovas and allowing him to build out his staff, including Billy Donovan. But I think it, you could also say that there's still plenty left to do, and there's plenty to prove for not only Billy, Billy Donovan, but everybody involved in this new Bulls regime. And what exactly are those things that, that the regime needs to prove? Because I think, as myself as a Bulls fan, um, I have certainly uh, felt that... I, I guess that the franchise hasn't been respected in terms of the personnel decisions being made, despite some of the players on the court being fairly talented. Um, their record and performance doesn't reflect the actual um, talent that's on the team. So what are those things that I think this new regime will need to do um, in order to turn things around? Well, you could talk about player development and what Billy Donovan and his staff can do. Um, in addition to AK and Eversley to, to get some internal improvement from this roster that could lead to some more wins because I think that's the most likely way you'll see a significant improvement from this past season where they finished, you know, 20 plus games on our 500 is, you know, there's not a whole lot of roster flexibility. There's not a lot of cap flexibility. I don't anticipate any huge roster shakeups quite yet. And so you're really going to ask for uh, internal improvement on the roster pieces that are already there. But I think even more important than that, um, it, it goes back to, an organizational change, a change of culture because the old regime loved preaching and talking about building the right kind of culture. And we all saw the, the complete lack of culture under Jim Boylan, dispirited players, a coach throwing his players under the bus every night after coughing up leads or getting blown out by 20. There was, um, and I think it's the same reason that despite the, the brand recognition and the big market, big name free agents have steered clear of Chicago over you know, the, the majority of Gar Pax's 17-year reign. So you need to start building that positive culture. And AK, Eversley, and everybody on board so far are all about uh, building a player-first organization. And that's um, an absolute premium importance. If the season begins around Christmas time, and um, basically with Chicago, they haven't seen a basketball court since early spring, um, how should we judge Billy Donovan's first year as the coach considering we're in a pandemic? Uh, should we cut him some slack um, just in terms of what's going on or um, should the, should the team be focused, focused on um, closely? Well, it's interesting because the bulls are in a different position than some of these players who, you know, we heard from the players association earlier this week who aren't too keen on the idea of starting as early as Christmas week. 
because some of them just finished in the bubble just a couple weeks ago. On the other end of that spectrum, the Bulls haven't played a competitive basketball game since you know the, the second week of March. Such a ridiculously long layoff. And I think even just from what we saw of the Bulls mini bubble where the team got together in Chicago for like a two-week mini camp with the new front office, they were all itching to play. Even just five-on-five scrimmages with their teammates uh, you know, felt like a gift to basketball and, and that they something that they had, had been robbed of for, for such a long stretch of time. So when it comes to the expectations for Donovan and whether or not the the new pandemic reality that we're in will will alter those expectations, I, I go to an answer that Donovan had when he was asked about expectations in one of his media availabilities upon taking the job, which is I I just talk about getting better every day. And obviously there's really nowhere to go but up when you look at what the Bulls did this past season. So, yeah, you could talk about win total, uh, regardless of whether this is you know a 72-game season, a 50-game season, whatever it, whatever it is we have on deck. A better winning percentage certainly is one of those expectations. But just making the individual pieces better and the cohesive unit better. Because I think Donovan is a guy who's gifted at putting his position to succeed and getting the best out of their strengths and minimizing their weaknesses compared to what we saw with Jim Boylan, which was, you know, ramming square pegs into round holes. Agree. I think Billy Donovan is a great player development coach. He seems like a lot of um, the players under him really like him and respect him. And I want to ask you about Zach Levine in particular. Do you think Billy Donovan will be able to extract uh, some of the leadership abilities that some people feel Zach Levine has or do you think with Levine it's it's kind of a lost cause and the bullshit should move on when that time's available that's a it's a really good question Justin and I am not at all ashamed to say I have no idea what's going to happen with Zach Levine and his Bulls future you know we just heard recently uh, from a pretty reliable uh, person on the Bulls beat that he heard that Zach Levine is not interested in signing an extension even though he's eligible for one you know when you when you talk about guys who average 25 5 and 5 across the league I don't know if any of them make as little money as Zach Levine does for the Bulls right now he's on a very team-friendly deal I don't know if it's as much about Zach Levine and Billy Donovan although I'm sure Zach is excited about working for a coach that will immediately have respect upon entering that Bulls locker room and the Advocate Center because uh, Donovan is a winner you know, two national championships at the college level and five straight playoff appearances in the West. Yeah, he had some primo talent to work with, but, you know, especially this past season, most impressive job in his five years in OKC. People didn't, nobody thought he was going to take that team to the playoffs. Um, and they were, you know, a middle seed in, in a very competitive Western Conference. So I, I think Zach and, and Billy Donovan will immediately have mutual respect. The bigger question to me is whether or not AK sees Zach as a piece that he can build with and around playing AK style of basketball. Because Zach is an incredibly gifted offensive player, a gifted scorer who can take over and have those kind of nights that we saw him have like against Charlotte uh, this past season. Uh, a guy who could drop 40 and make it look easy. But does he fit in AK style? Um, and I would say, I would say, based on what we know about Zach and what we know about AK, there's some kind of clash there. Um, so I think that's just as important as Zach and Billy's relationship when you talk about whether or not Zach's going to be here long term. 
So um, one of the other reasons why I wanted to interview you, interview you because you know, you're tuned in to the, the Chicago culture. And I want to ask you in particular about the Last Dance documentary um, that pretty much took the attention of the entire nation um, this past spring and, and early summer. What were your impressions of the documentary um, in terms of how newer fans that didn't grow up with Jordan, didn't see Jordan play, um, how they might have appreciate him now um, and – in reference to today's players in terms of maybe that greatest of all time argument or just having an appreciation of just that 90s basketball style in which a lot of like old school fans really love, but at the same time, newer fans may not appreciate because they didn't grow up with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly embraced it for what it was. I loved that documentary. I loved every second of it. I think I've watched it three times through now. Um, and I don't, I think it's it's different for each kind of fan generationally, like you said. I, I personally was a child of the 90s. Um, like, you know, I think I was around 9, 10, 11 years old when the Bulls were winning their second three-peat. So, like, that that defined my childhood, and it's the reason I'm a Bulls fan. Uh, so, you know, I caught the tail end of Jordan's glory years. Um, and so, for me, the, the documentary was so nostalgically powerful. Uh, and it was a great trip down memory lane. And I also chuckled at times because it was clearly MJ being MJ with his, you know, his uh, ridiculous levels of, of cocky and confident. And, you know, I'm the best and F you. And I might I may not be a great teammate, but I'm going to I'm going to get us there. I'm going to get us to win. Um, it was some of the tiny little side stories that I think were the, were the best elements of it. Uh, learning a little bit about like Steve Kerr and his background. Um, and, and some of the other role players that I thought were really strong, because we all knew that essentially the documentary was not only going to be about the final 98 title season, but mostly just a story of the whole Jordan Bulls dynasty and Jordan in particular. So I'm, I, I'm hopeful that a lot of the younger fans of the NBA, uh, not, and not just Bull, younger Bulls fans, but just young NBA fans in general, learned a thing or two about the, just how truly great that team was and how great that player was. As far as the the goat debate, like I I think that's a tired debate and I honestly don't think it's close. And you know, you can call me a homer, you can call me biased. I, MJ, MJ's the goat. And like to, to me there is no conversation and that documentary didn't change that for me. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I want to ask you, you brought up the the cockiness of Jordan, the this that unapologetic competitive streak. Do you think we'll see a lot of top players in the NBA perhaps flaunt that more and be unapologetic just because, you know, with Jordan, we saw it's it's okay to be that cocky and a little bit arrogant um, and you win. Um, whereas, you know, we've seen, I don't know, the past, you know, a few years, um, a lot of more political correctness in terms of um, how you flaunt that into how competitive you are in the court, really besides Kobe. Um, we don't really see LeBron or anybody else have that kind of cutthroat, um, hardcore mentality just on the, like every single like, post-game press conference. Do you think we'll maybe see a transition towards that just because of this documentary? Um, I don't I don't think so. I think that it is a generational gap in the competitive nature of Jordan and his uh, peers um, and the kind of competitiveness you have even among the elite superstar players of today's NBA. Some of them are buddy-buddy. You know, like the, the banana boat crew that are in their twilight years 
LeBron, Bob, or you know, LeBron, CP3, Wade, um, uh, and uh, and Melo, like some of the some of the superstar players that are just all buddy buddy. Um, you know, I think that kind of defined the difference between these eras because there's there's not really rivalries anymore, and maybe there are certain rivalries between certain players. Or, you know, for a while, you might get, like, a, you know, a rivalry between Western Conference teams, you know, like the Clippers-Rockets drama from a few years back. But there, there just isn't that because players bounce around a lot more than they used to. Um, and, and that's a great thing, and it's a great new freedom and a great new uh, perk for the players of, you know, all the work that was done in the CBAs uh, over the years to allow them that freedom to bounce around and, and play where they want and play with, uh, with the players that they want to play with, but it it kind of has taken itself away from the crazy levels of trash talk uh, NBA that that I grew up with. We, you know, whether it was Bulls, Pistons, Bulls, Knicks, Celtics, Lakers, that kind that level of competitiveness does not exist in the NBA anymore. And I don't think that's like an old guy take. I think it's honestly that's true. I agree. I complete. I completely think it's true. And also with AAU basketball as well, these guys play together in all these uh, different um, shoe company camps when they're in high school. So like, like they're they're Bulls, very buddy buddy. Bulls OKC game this season where the Bulls cough up that big lead. CP3 yeah. drained like five threes in the fourth quarter, and then CP3 is like yucking it up with the Bulls, right? Pictures <laughs> together on the court after the game. I, that pissed me off. I was like, Are yeah. you kidding me? Like what? Yeah. What happened to competitiveness? Yeah. I completely agree. I, I'm in the same uh, camp as you. Like the the buddy buddy system, it it, it kind of grosses me out. <laughs> like this worst that competitive streak. I get it. Like after the game, you can go, you know, grab a steak or something. But at least on the court, at least give me the illusion like there's just like a competitiveness to win the game, even in the regular season. So. Yeah, it's it's just the, the the framework of how the league is now. I I completely agree. I don't think it's it's going to change too much. Um, I think it was refreshing seeing the Clippers. Um, you know, we saw a little bit of trash talk against Damian Lillard, even them against the Lakers. Even though it kind of backfired on him, um, at least we saw a little bit of animosity. So maybe that can spread to the rest of the league. I don't I don't know. <laughs> it. I mean, it's possible, and and we'll see what kind of roster shakeups we have. Um, on deck, like it, it would be super cool to see Rondo defect from the Lakers and go to the Clippers and see a sure. Lakers Clippers playoff matchup that I think we were all robbed of just now when we were hoping for in the Western Conference Finals. Um, and in the meantime, you know, I can't wait for the day when the Bulls actually have a rival again. You know, for a while it was like LeBron and the Cavs, and then it was LeBron and the Heat when the Bulls were looking like they might be their their biggest and 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 baddest challenger. Rose got hurt, um, and then even again when LeBron went back to Cleveland, and you had that Bulls-Cavs series in 2015. But you know, like I, I missed the Bulls being a team that was significant enough to have a rival, and and whether it's player rivals, player rivalries, or, or or team rivalries, I just I just really miss that element of the NBA. Yeah, me too. Um, and we'll see. Maybe uh, Billy Donovan can kind of usher that uh, new era, and we'll have to wait and see. Matt, thank you very much for um, joining the show. Key, please plug where you at on social media, um, all your podcasts you're working on, and any upcoming projects um, you have set for 2021. Sure. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Uh, my co-host slash producer Jordan Malley and I do Locked on Bulls, which is a daily Bulls podcast Monday through Friday. Five episodes a week, uh, 365. Um, and hopefully, if we get some word uh, in the coming days about the NBA's 
2021 calendar. Uh, soon after that, uh, my my crew at NBC and I will sit down and discuss plans for hopefully uh, season three of Bulls Outsiders, which is the late night post game show for for Bulls games on NBC Sports Chicago. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, you can catch us doing five Locked On Bulls episodes a week. Uh, you can follow us there on Twitter as well at Locked On Bulls. That's awesome, man. Thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Of course, Justin. Thanks for having me. Happy to come on anytime.